Hi, and welcome to Thinking Out Loud. This is Mariana. And Elizabeth. Hi. Hey, we're doing a night recording. I know. I wonder if our listeners will know the difference. Can you tell a difference right now in how we're recording, listeners? Can you tell? Can you tell? You should probably be able to tell because both of us have alcohol in our systems. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas at seven in the morning for me, I don't quite have alcohol in my system yet. I'm not. I'm not uh, unless it's yet. leftover from the night before. <laughs> but a uh, ching. <laughs> oh yeah, good times. Good yeah. times. We're the gone. nightly edition of Thinking Out Loud. Actually, this is kind of a good. It's interesting because now we have a whole day that we've had that we can reflect upon too. I guess, well, this is kind of the same day that we would have had to reflect on tomorrow morning, which is our normal recording time. Right. Yeah. So maybe there's not that much different about it. <laughs> I don't know, except that I feel like sometimes when you get to sleep, then you have perspective. So like That's for true. instance, today, like this, this afternoon, I've been... Um, working on the ghostwriting project that I have, which right uh -huh. now kind of consists of like, I have recordings of this guy's stories. Um, and I'm working on the recording of like stories that he told me last week when we sat at lunch. So in the first place, it's a repeat. And in the second place, I, it takes forever. Have you ever tried to do this before? It takes forever. No, but I have someone who wants me to do this. So this is good learning experience for um, me. I'm going to try to figure out if there's some like voice to text thing that we can do um, or like decide if there's like, if that takes something away from the process of me typing it out. Because on the one hand, I, um, I'm getting a lot of like the cadence of how he talks and, you know, how he tells his stories by listening to it and typing it up. So that's not that big a deal, but it really is time consuming. I spent like almost two hours going through to get like 20 minutes of a story typed up like 2000 words. Um, that's a lot of time, but I mean, he's paying me for the time, but like, it's just like, it's so consuming. Yeah. So this is interesting. So it, it reminds me of, okay. So my brother was a sports writer. And so mm. I would, I can, I have these memories of, me in middle school and high school and he's I guess he was in he was out of college or he was doing summer work or something I don't know I'll have to ask him that but he trans of of his transcribing like mm -hmm. interviews and stuff like that and I can just remember him with his little micro recorder and he would listen and his fingers would just be flying on the keyboard and then he would do that you know the that's yep. a terrible rewind sound, but you do the rewind sound. I need to work on my sound effects. Rewind funny. sound, and then he would just be able to do it, like, I guess 30 seconds back and catch what he missed. Yeah. This really is a different kind of writing. What you're doing is almost journalism. Yeah, yeah. So, like, right now, and the thing is that eventually I'm going to have to go back through it and make it more artful than even what he's telling me. Um, well, sure. Because, like, you know, he's 84 and he tells a good story, but, like, it, it, it's different when it's told to you in person than when you read it on the page. And so, like, getting things onto the page, then I'm like, oh, well, people need context for this. And, oh, well, I mean, like, he told me his story about this one thing called Operation Cotton Patch. And, like, it was really interesting. But then I was like, yeah, but people need to like understand the historical context of what was going on at the time. Cause it was like the cold war it was shortly after world war two had ended. And like, you know, why we were talking about bombing Tashkent and, you know, like why people would need to escape from, you know, Russia, the USSR into, <laughs> into Afghanistan, you know, like all of this kind of stuff that I was like, this is all like it needs to be couched in all of this like history yeah, and, and, and that's not even in the recording yet. And I just spent two hours going through 20 minutes of text. And, and I mean, I've done transcription before too. I used to do that. Um, when we lived in Wisconsin, I worked for this company called, um, national electrostatics corp and they built particle accelerators. And so I transcribed some of the nerdiest text you have ever <laughs> heard of in these like where they would build they had proposals market proposals for 
you know, selling these um, particle accelerators to people who are going to buy them and use them for their like experiments or whatever, um, and had to like explain all of the details of it. And I, but for that, like even I had the appropriate equipment, right? Like I had, I had a foot yeah. pedal and the software to where like I use my foot pedal to go backwards and forwards and listen and type at the same time. And right now I'm just like me and my, um, what is the the word right now has, or not word, but Microsoft has this thing called groove music. So my MP3 file comes up on, on groove music and I like press play and pause and pray and play and pause and play and pause and just keep, you know, going through the text to make sure that I get everything down word for word right now. And so then that I can go back and revise it and it's going to take forever at this rate, especially if like half of the time I spend sitting there, not half the time, but like, I spend two hours sitting there listening to him tell me the story in the first place. And then I listen to it again. It's a lot. So first of all, I'm flabbergasted to hear about your life as a transcriber with a foot pedal. <laughs> I'm trying to get that image out of my brain, but I can't because oh my I want to know what it looks like. It was crazy. That was a crazy, <laughs> crazy place to work. And I mean, you dredge the bottom of the physics department. And that was the people, kind of people that worked at a National Electrostatics Corp. They were some characters. No, seriously, I'm going to Google that right now. What is that called? A foot pedal transcriber? I don't know. I could tell you stories about that place, though. They were like... <laughs> I want to hear them right now. Um, well, so like they... What else? They... Um, well, so they were, they were really nervous about the internet. They were nervous about... Um, this was only like 12 years ago to 12 years, but still 12 years ago. And they were super nervous about the internet. So like nobody had access to email in the company. And like a couple of times a day, my job was to flip a switch. I had this big literal switch that I would flip and it would like turn on our access to the internet and I would download all of the company. What? <laughs> this is not real. It's real. And I would download all the company emails. I would flip the switch back off and then I would pr proceed to print out seven copies of each email and put them into the mailboxes, the internal mailboxes for each of the people that work there, each of the scientists that work there. This isn't even including the, the rest of the support staff that work there or the, there was like a big factory attached to it and everything. So yeah, so like, like it was, it was insane. I don't know if they were worried about like people stealing company secrets or like, you know, corporate espionage. I don't, I, or viruses. <laughs> I was, I just, I did what I was told, but I was like, you got to be kidding me. Right. So, but this is where you get the idea of when you're making a new website or something, people say flip the switch. You know what that is because you flip the switch. I literally flip the switch. Okay, yeah. so describe this to me. Is this like a like a fire alarm switch or no, it was like a little like a little electric box with like a knob on it that had, you know, you turn it from off to on and then turn oh, it Oh, like an intercom system. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Okay, now, now that I have that picture in my head, describe to me this foot pedal you're talking about. Oh, yeah. So, like, well, it, so I think it had, like, a USB or some kind of attachment. I don't think USB was quite that prevalent 12 years ago. But anyway, it had some way that it was attached to the computer. So, because I, this guy would, he would record, you know, his audio files digitally and then would put them into a folder for me to access through the intranet right because we had right. like, internal like networking so we could do that but no external <laughs> anyways so then I would pull up the file and I would listen to him what he was describing and just like you so are you working on a computer you're working yes. on a computer yes but okay. so yeah so I would work on the computer for that but sometimes I had to do purchase orders and then I'd flip over to the typewriter with the carbon copy yes right <laughs> So anyways, yeah, no. So I was on a computer, but it was an old dusty PC. Um, I'm surprised they actually had anything better than DOS going on on it, but I think they did. If I remember correctly, they did. <laughs> okay, but, listen, I just sent you a picture of the pedal that I'm envisioning. Okay, yeah, yeah, let me look um, because it's probably right. No, I don't see it. Did you send it? Are you sure? I did, it's in, it's in um, Zencaster chat. 
Oh, well, there you go. I'm not looking in the right place. That is, yeah, that's it. <laughs> are those your shoes? <laughs> Were you a foot model in your former life? <laughs> no. No, those are not my shoes. I was never that fancy. Um, but yeah. Anyways, that... okay. So the, it connects via USB. Right. Mm -hmm. okay, so they must have been at least that fancy. But anyways, so like that at least it made it easier because I didn't have to take my hands off the keys to start and stop the audio. So it's know? like a sewing machine. Yeah. And then I had like really big, the really big fancy headphones for that too. Not my little earbuds that I wear right now. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. I just learned a lot about you that I didn't know. How long did you hold this job? It was a temp job. It was a temp job that I took because um, the person who had my position uh, was in the reserves and she got called up. So she went to do whatever it was that she was doing for the military. And I took her place um, for a while. And then um, that was, we lived in Wisconsin for like six months before we were like, we can't take this anymore. We're leaving. So, um, so then we moved back to California and the I mean, my supervisor was, he was a really, really nice guy and just a big science nerd. Um, and, you know, he, like, he wrote me a really nice rec recommendation letter so that I could get a better job when I moved to LA, which I didn't do. I just went straight back to doing temp work because low self-esteem. This was before I figured out that I wanted to be an editor. <laughs> um, anyways. Wait, so, so this was after you lived in New York? No. Before. It was before you lived in New York. Like right when Noah and I got married, we lived in California then. And like we got married in April and July, we moved to Wisconsin. And in January, we moved back to LA and we lived in LA and Davis for the next like four or five years. And then we moved to Connecticut and then we moved back to Davis. So, wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that you, had, you guys had lived in LA. Yeah, yeah, that's where I met Noah, was L.A. I moved there after college. Oh. Yup. So you I, met him, you all got married, then you went to Wisconsin, then you went to L.A., then you went to New York, then you went to Davis. Yeah. It's like kind of like all around. across the country here. It's funny, because Noah, we've been in this apartment for, it's almost two years now, and Noah's like, so are you ready to move again? And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Filling you up. Oh yes. Okay, so um, Elizabeth worked as a transcriber, and she had a foot pedal that started and stopped it. Do you want to see a picture? It was really useful. I'm telling you, and I wish I had one now. Oh yeah, like a medical transcription. Exactly. Exactly. She says yes, but yeah. what? Uh, but it wasn't medical. No, it was legal. National Electrostatic Corp. We need a podcast. <laughs> Electrotranscriptor? Electro no, no, no. <clears throat> National Electrostatics Corp. National Electrostatics Cork. Huh. What? Corp? Well, it's, it's fascinating uh, because that, that whole industry is under fire from uh, the technology side of and things. And that's so. what I want is for them to like take, take this job away from me right now. I'm like, please, can we figure out how to make the software work so that I don't have to do the transcribing right now? But my 84-year-old client is technologically challenged. And so I just don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I know like in, uh, some of the hospitals in Western North Carolina, which I won't mention, uh, <laughs> they, they use electronic transcription, uh, instead of like people. voice to text. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's based off the, the dragon engine, the same, right. same company. Um, I forgot their name, but our friend's got Django. I uh, used to work for that company back in the day. So yeah, it's it's really fascinating to to see how that works, and I, I've toyed with that like writing because I'm, I'm terrible <laughs> at getting words on a page. Words on a page, um, yeah. which is which is part of writing, and it feels like you know it's like an audiobook. It, it feels like you're cheating at reading when you listen to an audiobook. You know, a but... little. No, I totally agree. I actually feel like when somebody reads you a text, that you're not getting the same experience as when you read a text, because like exactly. This and all of the like it's their interpretation where they put the emphasis is what you hear and how you experience yes, it. Yes, that's true. Yeah, well, so how we, they read it. 
when I yeah. dictate things using Dragon or whatever, uh, you know, because I, I mean, I have a dyslexia, but when I dictate those things, I'll, I always feel like I'm cheating when I'm writing, you know, and I'm not, it's not coming from my brain into, you know, whatever nerves into whatever muscles into my fingers and doing Listeners, that. we should tell you that this is, this is Sam Harrelson joining us just <laughs> I'm just here to pour the wine for Mariana. Oh, the head of the <laughs> Thinking.fm network um, and uh, co-host on Thinking Religion, <clears throat> the host of Thinking Daily. What else do you want to be known as? Uh, father of Ben. <laughs> father of Ben, like Kylo. His, his uh, spoiler, husband, sorry, husband some of people. Mariana. You know, uh, the new Star Wars movie actually comes out for digital download uh, like in two weeks. Woohoo! Wow, that's maybe nice. I'll finally get to see it. <laughs> that was your own fault for getting pregnant. All right. Yes, he had nothing to do with it. Also, uh, okay, wait. The last, you did all the hard I work. I like what you're holding. Love um, you. Okay, so. <laughs> you should tell people what you're holding. I don't know what they, this is from her science experiment I know, it kit, right? Like a, never mind. <laughs> Love you, bye. Pipette. 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 It's called so, a pipette. <laughs> so, anyways transcribing it's it's we didn't it's, even get to tell him about you flipping the switch for the internet no we can tell him that later that That's is just... fascinating to me see you can go a hundred episodes with someone and still not really know them <laughs> yeah, still there's was, more of their story that was quite the quite the interesting place to work i'm telling you they were nutty um, but yeah, so transcribing is, is good, but it's really very time consuming. So I'm trying to figure out what's the best way to move forward so that this guy actually gets his memoir before, before he dies, you know, cause he's 84. Like that could happen anytime. Like the faster we can do this, the better. But... No. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So how many words do you have? Uh, well, so, like, I haven't been doing it that long, like a week, technically. Okay, right? okay, okay. So, um, so... But 20 but, minutes is tw- is 2,000 words. Yeah, it was 2,000 words. And the thing is that, like, I have to figure out how to organize this thing for him. Because he has, like... And, like, I have hard copies of stuff, too. Because, like, this whole, this guy's whole project is kind of a mess. It wasn't his fault. Um, But, so, like, I'm typing in stuff from hard copy too so i have like eight thousand words already from hard copy and then two thousand words from this audio file and i have like i think another 40 minutes left to transcribe still so i have like another wow thousand six thousand words and so like we have a lot of material and then like i have to sort through it and figure out what stories are what and where he wants them to go and so like there's a lot of big picture stuff that we have to do too and um and so like if i can figure out how to streamline this data collection process we're gonna call it um that would be amazing because then well and this is an interesting idea you know there are a lot of people who decide that they want to write a book but they don't believe that they're good writers themselves so they employ a ghostwriter right Right. And to think about how many hours of material you need it might not be quite as many as you thought is what I'm not necessarily um, depending on, I mean, it depends on what else I have too, but yeah, like you can, I think you can put together a lot. Um, from those conversations. Things. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the fun thing that I've been working on this week, aside from proofreading a romance novel, which was excellent. It was really fun. So that's why I was watching, um, clips of professional bull riding last night it's because it was a rodeo romance novel and so of course when i finished it i was like okay now i need to oh now it's all making sense it's all making sense <laughs> it's like i need to see a few cute cowboys and watch them get kicked around by bulls and then i can move get on. in there yeah <laughs> okay i'm just i'm sorry i'm just still reeling from this like life that you had in Wisconsin that I didn't even know existed. I mean, you'd think you know someone, you know what I mean? Yeah. When we're off air, and sorry listeners to have to say it this way, but Mariana, when we're off air, I'll tell you what I was doing in Wisconsin. Oh, <laughs> Not interesting. an on-air type 
thing. I was not well, a whore. Was it bull riding? It was bull riding, wasn't it? No, Just go ahead and mess up. It was bull riding. <laughs> that would be amazing, but no. <laughs> no. Okay, so this isn't even what we were planning on talking about. Believe it or not, listeners, we did have a plan for well, what we were going to do. Because you were, well, I can't say you were um, eavesdropping because I tagged you in a post, but um, do we want to talk about what we were planning to talk about? Yeah, I say let's do it. Okay, so we're, I think we were planning to talk about book reviews, right? And where you get Well, we're, out. yeah, and I think the greater discussion is how do you find um, authentic or good book reviews? Right. Right. And and I appreciated what um, listeners, if you happen to look, and maybe we'll link to some of the tweets and um, and stuff that we had going back and forth. I appreciated what Sam and Thomas were shooting towards me with like their um their LA review of books and the podcasts that they listen to and stuff like that um to review books um but I think I was looking for stuff that's a little bit more like crowdsourced than that even although podcasting I guess works because I mean even we technically review books as we're like talking about what we're reading. Yeah. As we're talking about what we're reading right Right. and that's what I was going to suggest is kind of aren't we doing that here? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could focus on that more. And actually, I feel like I have friends who were, they were starting a video blog series of uh, drunken, drunken book reviews, which I was like, oh Lord, that's hilarious. But um, (laughs) So, um, but this is interesting, you know, we've talked about before, or at least I've talked about how on Goodreads, I feel like I give every book I read a four or five star review. And then I've talked about how, oh, I'm doing that because the people who are recommending these books to me know what I like to read. So, of course, these are highly recommended books. It's not just something right. I'm picking up off the shelf. So, right, yeah. And I guess that's, that's one place that I depend on book reviews and recommendations is Goodreads. Yeah, I think um, the the only thing, the only time that I have like a problem with that is when it's like, you know, like if you go and just look at straight up what are the Goodreads reviews without like connecting it to people that you know, because right. like I tend to find that, you know, like I can't just trust anybody's review of a book, right? Because why? Like, I well, mean, I agree, but I mean, let's expound upon that a little bit from for everybody else. Because people have different tastes. So like what one person likes to read, I'm not necessarily going to like to read. Um, and, and then, you know, you run into things like the Chuck Wendig, the force awakens campaign where like, you know, it's, I forget, I can even look up what his, um, average rating is right now on Amazon. And I can guarantee you that that rating does not actually reflect the quality of the book. Um, because there was a concerted trolling campaign against him. So like, I don't know. So I don't know. Then that's also tainted. So how, how do you know a good source? Yeah. Th- and this is a great question, you know? Okay. So what we will do is in our show notes, we'll link to Thomas and Sam both chimed in on, um, Twitter with the LA review of books, which is pretty good. And then uh, mm-hmm. Thomas also linked uh, suggested marginalia. And then were there other ones? Let me check Twitter real quick. Oh, sword and laser. Yeah. That's the other one. Sam talks about a lot for sci-fi. Yeah. 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 So then it comes down to like, who are the people that you appreciate their opinions that maybe are a little bit like they aren't people that you know personally but so like you know when I listen to writing excuses um and they talk about like different books that they're whatever their book of the week is because they do a book of the week um because they're sponsored by audible um then like you know I listen to that and you know if Mary Robinette Kowal is like oh this book is so good and blah 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 and I liked it because of this I put it in my Goodreads to be read list because uh-huh. I'm like, yeah. hey, I will probably enjoy that because I like what Mary Robinette Kowal writes. I like, you know, what she um, like talks about. I like um, 
a lot of things about her. So I'm pretty sure that I would like her book, but you know, like there are people, let's say if Donald Trump was doing <laughs> somehow, I don't think Donald Trump and I are going to like the same kind of books. <laughs> Call me crazy. But so I wouldn't go to him for a recommendation, right? Unless it was a book on business. And even then I might be a little bit skeptical about it, but anyway. maybe <laughs> that's just an example. I'm sorry, I have to tweet that one. <laughs> awesome. Well, I am putting links into an email for you for when we put these show notes out for these people, since they're not going to be able to follow us very well anyways, since we both had something. <laughs> Try to transcribe this show. Like, that should be interesting. Yeah, right? <laughs> Make something. Wait, 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 wait. Let me get my foot pedal. It's not here from Amazon yet. <laughs> no, really but I think another place. Pedal. I know another. And I, I'm. Uh, with you. So what about the crowdsource? Like another place I go to is Book Riot. And I don't know how you feel yeah. about that, but they have a lot of different lists that they produce. So for me, it's not about an individual book review, but about this kind of reading challenge. Okay, this year I want to read this number of books or I want to expand my genres of books that I read to include this and this and this. Um, right. The other thing is that my friend, one of the guys that I graduated from Furman with, he has started a book review called the Chicago book review, which is pretty cool. There's mm -hmm. also another um, group that's locally based in South Carolina. That's called reading for transformation that has a book a month too. So for me, like when I go and look for books, I look for these kind of book lists. Maybe yeah. that's just me. But again, you go, you go through a source that you have some kind of affinity with, right? Like, it's not like you just are grabbing that out of completely thin air. Although, I mean, sometimes, you know, NPR puts out a list or whatever and you're like, oh, and right. you go through and whatever. But, or like, well, and book Barnes right, and right? Barnes Noble put out a list of books that a certain fantasy author recommended. And so, you know, like you kind of have to go through and read the write up and figure it out for yourself too. But like, yeah, like Book Riot. Although I tell you what, it's like sometimes Book Riot, when I'm listening to them, I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys, like, you're totally, like, spinning around and just, like, being so proud of your own, like, understanding of the book world. And I'm like, you get, yes. you're getting yes, it wrong. Yes, no, that. <laughs> it's very so. insular. And, yeah. um, yeah. I but mean, it's good to no consult. To and this Riot, is... But. <laughs> Right. But and no, I mean, but this is what, like, if I see it on that list and two other lists, okay, that's a book I might want to consider. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. for the, I mean, I will say for the longest time, I was so engrossed in young adult literature because I was reading for what I wanted my kids to read and reading ahead of them and planning and all of that, that I wasn't able to read any books that anybody like adult wise was talking about. Right. So my fellow teachers mm -hmm. were reading the same things that I was and we were sharing books back and forth, but they were all young adult literature. And that's not bad. Like I love young adult literature. But one of the things when I went to Germany is I took all these books that I had wanted to read. Right. For a year, years. But I was in my grad program and we were concentrated in all of that and preparing for the classroom that I wasn't able to read the books that people were kind of talking about. Right, And I wanted to read the authors that people were talking about to see if they were good yeah, and to see if they were worthwhile and also to see what other people were reading, you know, because well, I, as, Oh, go ahead. No, one more thing. Just as a reading teacher, you wonder like in, for your kids, are their parents reading books or is yeah. this, you know, are we having issues because they, they are not seeing an adult in their life read books. And if they're, parents are reading books what kind of books are those adults reading and I had no idea I really had no idea yeah because of like the pop culture or whatever or whatever well and because you just get so engrossed in children's lit and helping kids learn to read that you forget that they're adults in the world kind of you know the teaching well, world so I want to give a, a shout out to Molly here because you know Molly is very like she's focusing on the classics I think that yes, she is. In our um, in our last podcast that she and I did together, we we discussed that just a little bit. And um, when 
I would like to say that, you know, as far as like Molly's reading list, it's highly uncomplicated, right? I mean, not that the stuff that she's reading is not complex. That's not what I mean. What I mean is she doesn't have to worry about, am I getting an accurate picture of what this book, what quality of book I'm going to pick up right now? Or is it just because it's on the best seller list somewhere? Or is it just because, you know, this friend happened to connect to a character so much that like they liked it despite all of its flaws or whatever? Because like, I mean, there's something to be said for reading the classics, right? They've stood the test of time. So when you look at bestseller status, it doesn't matter as much because they've been around for ages, some of them centuries now. So like, I don't know. So, so it would be nice to, I used to be that way too. It would be nice to go back to being uncomplicated in my like decision-making process for reading a book because I'm just like, whatever guys, I don't even need to worry about it because if it has, if it has been published, you know, before 1920, then we're golden. (laughs) Well, and she's working from a list though, right? The hundred books you should read before you should die, before you die or something like that. Well, and that's, that's possible that she's doing that too. But you, I mean, even aside from that list, there's like, you know, so much, meet out there all you have to do is pick up a norton anthology and go through and look at the list of authors that they have you know right. represented and then go find the books that they wrote because they wrote plenty that you know is out there besides the short stories or besides the um poetry or the excerpts that you find in those anthologies and so yeah it's i mean it's it's easy to find stuff that is un gummed by other people's preferences if you know what I mean because like if you go and read the reviews on some of those classics online you're gonna I mean you want to talk about crazy reviews people have no (laughs) idea what they're talking about right you want to talk about trolls (laughs) right you're like really how in the world can you say that and that that author is dead really you're gonna say that like they're dead (laughs) not cool people not cool not cool (laughs) So, okay, and all of this discussion, though, you haven't talked about where you go to find your books or to find book reviews. Um, so I, I definitely, I go through Book Riot um, and work writing excuses. Um, and, and I tend to, like, gravitate towards authors that I like. Um, I mean, like, when my friends send me books or, you know, if I get books through the, through the Thinking Out Loud book exchange, then I read those, too. Um sometimes good plug (laughs) depending on who they are but you know like um like if I so if I if it's an author that I appreciate um or especially if it's in a genre that I want to be more fluent in um then I look at who are the um who are the better known authors in that genre and what books are they recommending? Not, not necessarily do I need to read everything written by Brandon Sanderson or do I need to read, you know, everything written by um, Neil Gaiman? No, I don't need to, but when they recommend a book, I listen because I like what they read, uh, what they've written. And so I'm more likely to like pay attention and see what, what they're interested in. Well, isn't that how you found Brene Brown? Because Elizabeth Gilbert suggested it? Uh, Because Amanda Palmer suggested it. (laughs) Oh, okay. So two people you respect, you know. Yep, exactly. Because Brene Brown was also on um, Magic Lessons too. So, okay, I've got two well-known authors that I respect that I like their stuff. Well, I guess Amanda Palmer is more of an artist than an author, but same thing. Well, I mean, she wrote a book, so she's an author, right? We're going to have that discussion. (laughs) No. Where's Stacy? Where's Stacy right now? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, she wrote a best-selling book. Um, but, yeah, she did. And she quoted Brene Brown. Right. I feel like um, I feel like Brene Brown wrote the may may have written the foreword to Amanda Palmer's book. I don't have it in front of me right now, but so I think either that happened or she quoted her heavily in the book, and so I was like, well, I should. Probably oh, read this. I was thinking that she. I, I was thinking it was part of um one of her art pieces. Anyways, yes. So authors you respect, artists you respect, creators that you respect. Let's go even more general. (laughs) Well, and in that case too, like it was a, it was a perfect storm of like, that was somebody that, you know, somebody more famous that I don't know, although she did read my blog, um, that I don't know that 
had recommended an author and then a I think you of could mine... say that you're connected to now. I mean, this <laughs> right? is legit. It's the Kevin Bacon six degrees of separation. Um, but anyways, there's no so degrees like, of separation. She read your blog. She retweeted your blog. She quoted your blog. Like that's no degrees of separation. Right. But we're, we're getting off track here. What I'm trying to say is that a friend of mine <laughs> then at Christmas time gave me the Brene Brown book. So like not only did so that's Amanda Palmer. three ways that you encountered this book. So, you know, it's going to be good. Exactly. So I was like, well, I think this one is probably meant for me to read right now. So, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's the same thing I'm saying is that if I encounter a book three you know three recommendations or three people that I respect as a reader are reading it on Goodreads or it's on three different book lists then I'm like oh I should think about that book right but this is more of an instinct for me than something that I I didactically think about you know yeah definitely is there's a lot more gut that goes into it and sometimes I'm the first one of the people that I know to read something and recommend it to people. So there you go. Or like just the other week, I read um, an advanced reader copy of a novel that a friend of mine is publishing through an indie press. So like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'm at the forefront of this, and now I get to write a review and say that you know her world building was spectacular and um, the story was exciting and the characters, you know, made you appreciate them. And therefore, if you like dystopian if you like sci-fi you will like this book and so whoever respects my opinion enough to want to read something that I recommend now has my recommendation for it but whoever that is somebody yeah well and that's the hard thing too is because when you're in this industry a lot of people are looking to you to make suggestions and and you want to suggest books that match the person at least I do and so I kind of go through this like the thinking out loud book exchange isn't easy for me because I'm like, oh my gosh, if I send this book, like, what are they going to think about me as a reader? Are they going to judge me? Oh, don't think that. No, this but is- <laughs> but when you got my box, you were like, oh, it's a young adult, it's a women's fiction, and it's something else. And you're like, just what I expected. And I'm like, oh, two women's fiction. <laughs> two women's fiction. <laughs> um, I'm like, oh man, no, that's good. I think the thing is that like you, you recommend books you like, and that to me is that's right. the point where like, you know, sometimes people tend to get a little bit more commercial with that when you have these bigger sites or whatever, and they're recommending books that they're being asked to recommend, you know? And so like, exactly. And so this is, and you're not getting a, like an authentic review. <laughs> so this is the other thing that people are wary about now is that book reviews are being paid for. And right. so you can't really trust them. Which is right. maybe perhaps where this discussion should have started, but here we are at the end of the discussion That's talking okay. about this. I mean, we can wrap wrap it up the discussion here um, in talking about that. But like, I mean, it's never it was never more obvious to me than the one um, client that I had that you know he was like, I've been getting four stars from Kirkus reviews, and I want to get five stars, so I need your help with this novel. And I read it, and I was like, I don't know why they're giving you four stars, probably just because you paid them. <laughs> because it was not good. <laughs> I haven't heard that story. This is um, not a four-star work. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard to tell people that sometimes, but at the same time, I'm like, seriously, if you want, you know, if I want to have integrity in my um, in my business, business I have I to, tell you, to this. be able to tell you the truth. I need to be honest with you. The truth this is not a four-star work. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, so that's another thing. So, okay, let's kind of shift our conversation, maybe to as an author, how worked up should you get about reviews, and how worked up should you not get about reviews? Well, I think you can't get worked up about reviews because in the end, like people are going to like your book or they're not going to like your book. And so you need to. And they're going to be some of both. So yeah. And they're not always going to come from a totally authentic, like unbiased place. Everybody's going to come from a place of bias. But if you go to um, the right kind of professionals and ask for the most honest feedback that you can get, you know, then like you can always make you know, if you're getting consistently hairy feedback, you can work on that, right? You can make it your next work better because I feel like anything that you're writing, like you're working 
on getting better so that your next book will be even better. So yes, this one may not, you know, this one may just be what it is when you publish it and that's fine. You know, it'll be what it is and you'll have learned something and you can move on and, and do better on the next one. Well, and perhaps you should think about engaging those professionals to give you a book review before it actually comes out, right? Right, (laughs) So you can improve upon it before you release it to the public. Exactly. But because like the public doesn't care, right? And the public doesn't care about you and they don't care about the book that you wrote or how long it took you to write it or that you love those characters so dearly. They are just interested in what makes them happy and how they feel like they have spent their time well and not wasted it so or agreeing with somebody who they respect or want to like them or something like that like there's all kind of reasons that people write reviews or like posturing themselves to make themselves sound like they you know are smarter because they totally understood that book you know that like everybody is like oh it was so deep and and when they really had no idea what's going on, which or, is me all the time. <laughs> I'm or like, maybe they're mad really at the cable guy who didn't show up in the three-hour window that they gave him, you know? <laughs> Did that? <laughs> and then they're online today? waiting for the cable guy and they just take it out on your book. That's right. why I think you really can't get worked up about the reviews or get... Right. Watch them. It's Elizabeth true. Gilbert says the same thing and she is pretty popular I would say and pretty successful as a writer so if she doesn't get worked up about reviews perhaps neither should you perhaps not I feel like the bigger you get the more likely are you are to attract people who don't like what you have to say so and it has not and most of those people haven't even read your book they just don't like the fact that you're successful right it's true it's true this is this is the ways of the world Brought to you by thinking out loud. Exactly. So, so don't worry speak- about those reviews. But if you are looking for a good book, we have a great list now in show notes, thanks to our thinking.fm kind of family staff. Yeah. So yeah. check out that. You should check so, it out. So with all this talk about books, what are you reading? Well, so... Um, oh, wait, before past- we go there, though, we have to say... This little alchemy that you mentioned in last week's episode has, <laughs> has wreaked some havoc on the Harrelson household. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad to hear it because I, like, for 48 hours, <laughs> Linking I would buy it. To everybody it. who has not tried it. So, okay, so it's open in my browser right now. Uh-huh. If I close this, do I lose everything? Are you signed in? I don't know. Um, no, I'm not signed in. in. She'd probably let you sign in. I don't know if it will, if it has um, cookies to remember on your browser. I know the app remembers because, I mean, that's where I play it is on my phone. No, so. it says sign in down here, so I'm not signed in. So these 26, I'm going to lose. I just figured out tobacco. <laughs> How am I ever You better catch up. Out? I'm at 515 out of 550, so... And now I'm I know because I'm like, I, I have no idea what else to put together, but. Oh, so we had to, sorry, we had to mention that again because Sam and I both lost like uh, hours of our life this week. Has Sam so made an, Yoda yet? No. I don't know. Has Sam Probably made not. Yoda yet? And Sam hasn't been teaming up with you and telling you how to make stuff. That's just not cool. Like Noah. Well, some, yeah. This. No, we have shared back and forth. Noah and I are teamed There's up. There's Yoda? Yeah, there's Yoda and Darth Vader. What? Oh my gosh. And you can make the Doctor and the TARDIS, but they don't... Well, you told us that. Sick. Like, they're they're ones that aren't official, so they don't count towards your 550 things. It's amazing, guys. you got to try it out, even just for a it little really while. It really is cool. The good part about I, it is... I apparently am going to have to start from the beginning, so you can start with me, since I didn't know you had to <laughs> sign in. Well, at least you know how to make those 25 things so you can go back and make them. Well, presumably, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. You should just, I mean, since you think you're going to lose it anyways, you should close the browser and open it up again and see what happens. Ah, um, ah, (laughs) mid-hurricane. I definitely know how to make Obsidian because I keep making it over and over again. (laughs) Well, you can, on the app, I don't know about on the desktop, but on the app you can, um, like, set it so that it doesn't make the same thing twice like 
once you oh. make it once with those elements, it won't make those elements again. I should do that. You should do that because it will be useful. I'm now getting the app. Oh, my life is going to be over. <laughs> it's so fun on your phone. I tell you what. Um, anyway, so that's relinked in the show notes too. So you can waste hours of your time. Yeah. Challenging your brain though. Do it people. Yeah. It makes you think outside the box, which is fun. It is. It's, it is really fun. It's probably one of the, Oh, okay. 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 Old school. Did you ever play a game on, I think it was on DOS that was called mixed genetics. No. Oh, no, but I'm okay. Moving on. I can't find it. That's weird. But it's so, the same kind of thing, except you combine uh, living creatures to make new creatures from genetics. That's fun. Like you try to determine their eye color and their hair. Oh, I, I think totally they're alien and type I would things. I love that game. I might have played that in school. I don't know. I feel like I've looked at that. Oh. Okay, wait a second. Maybe there is hope. But if you look at the images, you can see it in images, mixed genetics. Anyways, yes, um, this is exactly it. Where is it? Why don't we get to play it anymore? While we're while we're looking at that, we should talk about what we're reading, though. <laughs> we should, because we can't be for here all night, listeners. Later. For our poor listeners. You've got to eat dinner. Yeah, eventually. Yes. Um, and then I have to go back to transcribing. Um, so I just finished proofreading this romance novel that comes out um, near the end of the year that's called Reckless in Texas. And I'm going to recommend it because um, it was super cute. Um, and I'm not even like a down home country girl or really a romance novel girl, but it was it was a cute story. Um I liked reading about the rodeo. She did a great job like describing everything. And there were a couple of moments in there that like hit me in that emotional sweet spot, you know, and like made me cry. And I was like, dude, this is great way to be like spending my work time. I felt kind of like I was cheating um, because I was just having such a good time reading the story. Um, So I recommend that. It's by Carrie Lindell. Is it released? Because sometimes you tell us about books that are not yet out. No, yeah, it's not out yet. It doesn't come out till this um, fall. So be on the lookout for Reckless in Texas. And then um, I'm also still reading, uh, what's that book? Allegiant. Yeah. Brene Brown. No, 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 I finished that. Oh, Oh, Allegiant. Allegiant. That's what I'm on. And I kind of put it down for a little bit, but I'll go back to it. All right, now I'm a little annoyed with um, with four with Tobias. He's kind of right, yeah, frustrating me. So I was like, ugh, I need. You to don't like the way bit. he's grown. He's just whiny. My God, I'm like, oh, you're like worse than Harry Potter in book five, and I love book five of Harry Potter, but anyway, like, just calm down, dude. Your identity is not going to shatter. Anyway, it might. I'm telling you, it might. <laughs> So this is interesting because you know the follow-up to Allegiant is there's a whole book about four. I know. And you're going to have to decide whether you're going to read it or not. I have not read it yet. It's probably not going to happen. <laughs> At this point in the book, no, I'm annoyed with him. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. Okay, so I'm reading Between the World and Me. <laughs> Still. Still. Uh, hey, 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 now. I'm done. <laughs> Almost. It's a good book. It's a really good book. It gets really good in the end. Nice. Sounds good. It starts to pick up. Let me t- look. I have it right here. Are you prepared? Or are you going to read me excerpts? I'm just going to read you this one. This is, this is, yeah, I only have like 40 pages left. Okay. Uh-huh. So this is what he says. So it's it, the format is a letter to his son, right? Uh-huh. I would not have you descend into your own dream. I would have you be a conscious citizen of this terrible and beautiful world. Nice. So he's telling him all these things that are mm, 
disturbing, to say the least, about racism and inherent, inherent and systematic racism in order for him to be aware of that. You know, I think as parents as, and as people, we kind of try to say, oh, no, that doesn't happen. That doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, who is that really helping? This is true. It's like saying, oh, no, all of these reviews are authentic. No, some are being paid for. Okay, great. Yeah. We know that. Some are being paid now, for and the rest of them are, you know, people that have an, their own agenda. They either don't like the author or whatever. But. Right. So now that we know that, we can approach these reviews with a healthy sense and a healthy balance of, eh, maybe this is right. Maybe it's a wrong Maybe it's propaganda or maybe it's somebody trying to um, bring down a competing author or something like that. All right. Now that we know that, we know we know how to take these reviews. Exactly. Whether but, you're a reader or whether you're a writer and author. Exactly. So many authors I know get caught up in reviews. It's not worth it. Nope. You just got to keep writing. Oh, wait, we're, wait, you can't say that yet. It's not time for that yet. You're getting sure out of order. <laughs> okay. We're just changing all kinds of things up tonight. Okay. Well, if people do want to talk you talk to you about getting their book, reviewing their book before they release it to the general public, <laughs> where would they find you? You can find me on the web at www.writingrefinery.com. You can find me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, and Facebook at Writing Refinery. And then you can also find me at my author website, all shiny, bright, and posts in at elizabethkaufman.com. That's Elizabeth with an S, by the way, Um, elizabethkaufman.com. And um, there will be a new post going up this weekend, probably somewhere about the demon of self-doubt and how it gets in the way of (laughs) can you please put the foot pedal in that post (laughs) no (laughs) no but i may share it on facebook so look for me on facebook and if you want to talk about publishing self-publishing traditional publishing or dual endeavor publishing you can find me at a harrelson press the new and approved harrelson press we've been doing some changes um dot com harrelson press on facebook and out harrelson press on twitter you can also find me blogging and talking about all co- all sorts of crazy stuff at marianna.net yay until next time keep writing keep reading and keep reviewing <laughs> bye <laughs>